welcome to our sixth episode on our Block and Roll podcast. Today, we are going to be talking to Maurice Flamont, Managing Director of Circle's Global and European Marketing Operations, about tokenization and how this could create a new sharing economy. Shall we begin the show? Let's, Let's roll! roll! Okay, Kieran, is there any news this week that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I'd like to talk about Line. Oh, yeah. The Japanese messaging app that has launched its own cryptocurrency. I thought it's more contextual in terms of our episode as well. We're going to be talking about token economics. So I'd like to mention this this particular news story. So Line has launched its own cryptocurrency, uh, which means that Line users can use this cryptocurrency in their app so what can you do with it though so th- th- this is a, this is the interesting part so you can pay um using their cryptocurrency for digital services so right. for example you know you've got a quiz to take or you've you've participated in a polling so the users can be paid using their cryptocurrency so it's mainly for digital services so it's about participation it's like it's like a lot of these kind of tokenomics type things when you build them into um, these solutions, what they're trying to do is to encourage participation in these in their solution. Exactly, and incentivize for mm-hmm. participating as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. So instead of just saying, oh, can you actually fill in this survey for me or can you, can you participate in this polling, you're saying for participating in this polling, you'll be incentivized with this, uh, and, with the currency. And and in terms of like the broader context, uh, other, other chat apps, as well, is there anyone else doing something similar? Uh, something similar is... Kin, if you heard of Kin, is a cryptocurrency, and Kick is their messaging app. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, it's popular among, among college students. It's used in America and Canada, and they've got a very good user base. And they have launched Kin for the same purpose. You know. Right, right. So, will we see this coming to other? Do we do we expect like WhatsApp and another messaging apps to? Yeah, probably uh, WhatsApp um, in the West and WeChat. I don't know if WhatsApp will do that. You know, there hasn't been any you know, any news or any any of these rumors around. Uh, but um, in China, they use WeChat instead of mm-hmm. WhatsApp. So they might probably. Yeah, I, I know China's pretty has been pretty anti-cryptocurrencies, hasn't it? I, it went for it went through a phase of being pro then anti. I'm not sure where we are now, whether we're pro or anti. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think they're anti in terms of cryptocurrency trading, exchanging, exchanges, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, exchanges fine. and trading and that sort of stuff. But overall, I think um, it's, it's 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 a it's a big thing in in China. Mm-hmm. This whole cryptocurrency blockchain. So you can use it for incentives within China, but not taking money out of China, basically. Obviously, anything that's in China will stay. Will have China to stay in China. stays in China. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like that thing. What happens in exactly. Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in China stays in China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> what you know is is is, is, is probably that the you know it's all rumors or colors around. So, from my news this week, I just wanted to talk about Venezuela launching their commodity-backed cryptocurrency called the Petro, um, and it's part of a broader context here. So, as you know, Venezuela has been having some economic trouble, uh, particularly around. The fact that they've had huge inflation, so they're seeing launching this cryptocurrency as potentially a solution. Yeah, that, that's that's what Venezuela is going to be the like the first country that has officially launched from a you know mm-hmm. from a government standpoint to launch a currency that is backed by um, 
back back by something. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a commodity. So there's, I think it's diamonds, oil, gold, and basically like a range of commodities that, that are going to be backing it. But this this isn't the only kind of positive news in terms of cryptocurrencies um, from governments. So um, if you've been watching the news at all, you may have seen that Malta, Thailand, they're all either looking to bring crypto exchanges to their country or to make themselves a regional power in, in terms of crypto. So Malta's uh, also offered um, scholarships for um, people who want to start building crypto solutions uh, and, and study it. So they're trying to really make themselves a kind of basically an island for crypto. I think it makes sense to bring, you know, this sort of new type of economy or mm-hmm. economics uh, within these small countries. Yeah. Right. But it's, 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 it's a nice experiment. Yeah. And, and also it means that they can do regulations. They do. They have they can yeah. also kind of pioneer some new regulation, which would be interesting to see how they handle it, because um, uh, we talked about this before. But regulation is one of the kind of key problem areas at the moment in terms of cryptocurrencies. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's very interesting. Uh, whether for the good or for the bad, right? Uh, we wish Venezuela luck with the yeah. with the new cryptocurrency well, and the people of Venezuela. I think we luck. We yeah, wish luck to the yeah, people of Venezuela. Yeah. So the other one I had was just a, a funny one actually, which is like um, there's a, a company called a Britfi, which is a crypto wallet, and they created an unhackable, um, obviously crypto wallet. And the idea was that it, they also created a bounty, so that if you could hack this wallet then you would get 250k i think it was or something but it turns out that actually it's really you cracked it is it it's, <laughs> no i didn't crack it myself but it turns out that this this unhackable device is actually very easily hackable if you've got nails <laughs> if you can open up the device you can get inside and you can easily hack it it's actually really simple to do yeah. um, so it didn't turn out that it was quite unhackable as they thought it was which is always the way if you say something is unhackable and you offer a bounty someone then, somewhere yes. is going to like basically make you look stupid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's great. Uh, Now, let's get on with the show. This is an interview we recorded recently with Marik. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Hi, Marik. Welcome to the blockandroll.com podcast. Can you start by explaining to our listeners what a token is? Yes, sure. And thanks for having me. I mean, um, to, to start, maybe let me explain a bit what we believe in at Circle. We believe that the world as we know it is going to be tokenized. We believe in what we call the tokenization of everything. Now, what does that mean? This basically means that every asset, every contract as we know it can be digitalized and can be shared um, on blockchain technology. And why is that a good thing? It's actually a good thing because it turns out that blockchain technology means that things can be moved more seamlessly, can actually be moved more securely, and can actually be moved without necessarily needing a central third-party authorization. So that's that's what we look at when we when we think of tokenization of everything um, at Circle. And we do have um, a broad range of different products that are actually trying to aim for that tokenization of everything. And that might actually help understand what do we mean by actually tokens and tokenization. Uh, at Circle, we do have consumer products. So one of our products is actually called Circle Pay. It helps people send and receive money completely seamlessly, um, whatever country you're in, just knowing someone's email address. But imagine that tomorrow, instead of just sending money, you could also send, for example, a contract or a share in a piece of art that you really like for someone's birthday. This could be done on tokens and leveraging blockchain technology. Uh, we have another consumer app called Circle Invest which here again means that as a consumer, you can invest in tokens. So you can actually invest in a cool project that you really like, which is in another economy or in another another country. Or you can actually also maybe one day start doing your own token. 
Um, last but not least, Circle has three other projects. So one is actually we've made the acquisition of a crypto exchange called Poloniex, which is a place where you can actually trade and exchange a token for another token. Um, we also have a, a large crypto trading desk, which helps provide liquidity between fiat currencies and tokens and, and major cryptocurrencies out there. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but one other thing that we're working on is, is our stablecoin. So in a nutshell, I mean, I know it's a, it's, a long, it's a long answer, but everything that's going on is to say, we believe that the world as we know it is going to be tokenized and tokens are basically digitalizations of assets that are going to happen on blockchain technology. So in terms of how the global economy works, uh, what do you think, you know, what sort of revolution is this going to bring? Do you think it's going to replace all the fiat currency? Is this going to replace, you know, all the manual contracts that are happening? Um, I, I guess it's going to be a big change based on what you're saying. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a big change, but more than just, you know, fiat currencies. At the end of the day, what are fiat currencies? Money is just data, right? And today, that data is actually held in, in by banks, by central banks. It's actually logged in, you know, spreadsheets and Excel format. And then sometimes it's actually printed in, in physical format. Will that evolve in a better way to actually share that information? Probably, right? So can fiat currencies be replaced by crypto tokens and cryptocurrency? They can. For that, though, you still need a fiat currency, something that is stable, something that is trusted, right? So I buy my coffee with pounds. I don't buy my coffee with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is fluctuating too much. But more than that, what, what tokens and crypto uh, cryptocurrencies and crypto assets actually bring into the world is basically this possibility to create a you know, multitude of different projects and to create that seamlessly without necessarily having to go through a third-party authorization. It also means that we could think of owning our data in a better way, right? Today, if you use, um, I don't know, a platform, for example, like Facebook, um, for every, every time your data is being used on Facebook, it's actually Facebook who's making money with your data. Well, you could think in a blockchain world where you own your data, um, you could actually think that as a consumer, you could be incentivized to do that. So in a, in a nutshell, it's almost limitless, the things that it can change. And I think that's one of the challenge of the crypto economy. It's actually, it's limitless. And so we need to tackle it in different steps, which is first, there is a fundamental part of infrastructure that needs to happen. There's also regulation and regulatory framework that needs to be um, made so that innovation can be allowed, but also that consumers can be protected. And last but not least, there are real, you know, applications that need to emerge so that for the end consumers or for companies, it has a real impact. So yeah, you said three things. Um, one is being the infrastructure, right? Uh, the second being the regulation, right? And uh, the, th the th third being, you know, being able to develop apps. So uh, at Circle, uh, it looks like, are you, you know, what, what part of the problem you're mostly concentrating on? So it sounded like previously what you said, you've got Circle Pay, you've got Circle Invest. So it looks like you're developing more apps or you're working on the infrastructure or you're also working with the regulatories, regulation. Um, yeah, great, great question. Yeah, I think we, we're working actually on, on the three angles because unfortunately, um, it's not as if one of those three is already done and dusted, right? So on the infrastructure side of things, um, we've actually created a, a foundation called Center, which is basically the framework that helps create stablecoin. And that foundation is an external foundation to which, you know, companies like Circle, but also um, traditional banks or other fintech companies or all their other um, technological companies can actually adhere to and therefore 
aim for creating their own uh, stablecoin or actually leverage existing stablecoins. So that, that's part of like, we're working on that for the infrastructure because the infrastructure is not there. On the regulation side of things, um, we're also extremely invo involved on that because we also believe that it's, it's a matter of um, education on both ends, right? I mean, as technologists, we come in with an angle of understanding deeply what the technology can do, but we also absolutely recognize the role that regulation plays to protect consumers, to protect economies. And so it's critical to actually have that dialogue going on. Uh, there is very, very good work in which we participate, like for example, um, the work of GDF, Global Digital Finance, um, that is actually aiming at bringing together industry body to help create the taxonomy, to help actually um, share knowledge and, and help do that. So we do participate a lot on that uh, across the globe because we believe it's super important. And you're right, last but not least, we also, we also think that there is a lot of you know, new apps and new applications that can be built on that um, and for which we also um, need to work on. Yeah, so we're actually working on the three, on three things. So just, just to kind of recap for our listeners just what what is stable coin firstly and then secondly could you pick out any kind of examples where there might be good uh, regulatory environment or or there might be good examples of development of apps that might um, you know might be good examples where tokens are used is yeah Sure. Um, yeah. So the first question on, you know, what are stable coins? Um, the, the concept of stable coins actually to create a token, a crypto token that is uh, fully backed by something that is stable. And that could be gold because gold has a fixed price or it could be actually a fiat currency because a fiat currency also has a fixed price. Um, and, and why is that important in the crypto world? It's actually important because one of the main issues in the crypto world is that there is too much fluctuation, right? So, for example, a lot of uh, listeners will have heard um, that, you know, the Bitcoin price fluctuates way too much. And yes, that's an issue because back to the coffee example, if you want to buy your coffee today, you can't necessarily do that. Uh, with Bitcoin because it's actually fluctuating too much and you don't know the price today and you don't know the price tomorrow. So it's almost like being in, in an environment that is way too unstable. Uh, and the entire crypto ecosystem basically has a lot of, there's you know thousands of tokens today that exist and all those tokens fluctuate a lot, fluctuate among themselves, fluctuate against each other. So the whole ecosystem needs actually that stability, which can be then brought on by what we call stable coins. Um, you, so you reckon stable coin is the only solution to bring stability because stable coins very much to people, it sounds like, you know, US dollars or pounds, it just sounds like normal currency but it's just virtual so do you think stable coins is the only solution to to the volatility and you know to the fluctuations um. not necessarily but it's actually probably one of the first solutions right so will it be one of the first solutions that actually emerge and and uh, and you're right in a way fiat currency is just data and so what is data and to me as a consumer does it make a difference that it's actually in the form of a crypto token versus versus uh, a digital money that is on my wallet. Probably not, but again, I think there we're touching on something that's more profound, which is, you know, all this blockchain technology, all those crypto assets are being talked a lot about, but what does it really mean for consumers? And, and I think we'll really hit mainstream moment when consumers don't really have to know what is blockchain. The same way that, you know, consumers today don't really have to know what is the internet, except that when I open my computer and I type in google.com, then the page opens up and I can start doing a search. We're not there yet. In in the crypto blockchain world, right? Which is like, um, to your second point, which was actually what are some of the 
of the applications and some of the projects that are um, happening out there that are interesting. There, there are a lot of projects that are super, super interesting, but a lot of them are, I would say, not necessarily yet mainstream. So the most mainstream applications that we see right now are probably more geared towards traders, day traders or people who are actually building projects and who are building infrastructure, who are actually building different sorts of blockchain because we talk a lot about Bitcoin, but there's also Ethereum, but there's also actually other um, blockchains projects that are being built out there like EOS and others. And, and those are also trying to fundamentally create other blockchains on which then applications can be created. So there is a lot of things that are being built, but it's almost like the beginning of the Internet, you know, when... Um, when, when we thought of, you know, today we have HTTPS and SMTP to send emails and consumers don't necessarily need to know to know about these things to actually really use the products. We're not there yet in, in the crypto world. At Circle, the products you're building, right, are they geared towards any particular blockchain or, you know, you, you said about Circle Pay, Circle Invest, right? Obviously, they work on a blockchain. So are you working on any particular blockchain such as Ethereum, Bitcoin or NEO? Um, no, we're not. So we're trying to also be agnostic on that, right? And so, for example, if I take the example of Poloniex, on Poloniex, um, what we're working on, we've created a, a token framework, more actually to help figure out which tokens should be listed. Because, the, again, you know, there are thousands of tokens out there, and the key is to find what are what are the projects of quality for our users and so therefore to define what is it that should be added on that platform and that's an exercise that goes you know our, our token framework goes through 300 400 different questions and assess the, a little bit the same way you could almost say like a VC fund would do to assess um, if a startup is robust um, those are also some of the questions that we look at to understand you know what is working on but to your question no and, and I think you know things such as blockchain interoperability also going to coming coming to a point so mm -hmm. we're still too early in this industry mm -hmm. to say there is one winning solution um, and therefore it's quite important to still be I open. think I think that could be a, a key issue isn't it it's like the interoperability thing because otherwise you are locked into one solution and I, I've seen quite a few examples of people building um, solutions that are designed to work across different um, different technologies. I just wondered in terms of the demand, what do you see in terms of from kind of customers that you, you interact with and, and kind of the market you're kind of in the moment, what's the, what is the kind of big demand? What are people really looking for? What's their mind kind of asked from you guys? Yeah, um, excellent question. Actually, it depends on our products. And I think that's one of our strengths that we're trying to build products that tap into different consumers because not everybody is at the same stage in their journey for, for crypto and for blockchain, right? Not necessarily everybody has the same appetite. So if you look at, for example, Circle Pay, you don't need to know at all what is blockchain. You just need to know that you want to send money to a friend who might be in the US or to a friend who's just across the table with you in the UK. Circle Invest is geared towards people who've heard about blockchain have an interest in it but have no idea where to start and how to start you know putting their toes into that economy and to start maybe investing a bit and to start understanding so the product is very much geared towards um, people who have an interest in it in blockchain and cryptocurrencies but don't necessarily feel at core that they understand what a private key is or how to get started and and on circle invest you can go in and actually find out more about um, the different coins, what they are, what the projects are, how those things are built, what they really mean for doing uh, wise investments. Poloniex is much more geared toward actually day traders who are very heavily involved into um, crypto. They know what coins they want to trade. They look very actively every day, every week at different projects that come up and they actually want to actually trade those. Um, and then on Circle, on circle uh, Trade, 
when you look at what type of customers we have there, it's completely different. It's very, it's very large financial institutions, so you could have large financial banks or actually uh, other family funds, hedge funds, who same want to diversify their portfolio and need liquidity. You could also have large ICOs who have raised capital and now need to actually buy sandwiches and rent office space and therefore need to go back into fiat currencies. So that's also the strength, right, is that we're trying to address different um, segments because we feel that there is still different needs for different segments. Um, let's come back to the types of tokens. Um, our, view, our listeners have, asked, have been asking more about tokens. So uh, what are the types of tokens? Can you list some of the types of tokens and can you give us like a brief differences between you know what types of tokens that are there? Yeah, sure. And, and on that, I think, you know, some of the best work that is being done out there is uh, figuring out what is the taxonomy of tokens, right? What are we talking about when we talk about tokens? So it, some, oh, very often it's actually very misleading to say they're just cryptocurrencies. And it's not, it's not necessarily that, right? Because you have, yes, certain tokens are currencies, but not every token is a, is a currency. Uh, there are tokens that are actually securities. And, and what is a security at the end of the day? Security is when you issue uh, you issue a, a form of financial asset for a company and then you can actually trade that and get value in exchange of that. Such now, as a stock I think in, the, it, uh, in the currency. Yeah, such as a stock, exactly, such as a stock. Um, you have also, uh, we talked about stablecoin, that could be another, you know, a bucket of, of, crypto, of crypto token that are out there. So there are different exercises that are being led on taxonomy and, and in what bucket you can put which token, which are definitely very interesting. And I think it's an exercise that is an ongoing exercise but it also touches another point which is very interesting which is regulation and not every country necessarily looks at tokens the same way so for example um, if you look at um, things in the US most tokens would actually be deemed to be securities and if they pass the Howey test then they are deemed to be a security and and where it gets complicated is that a token can start by being actually um, an infrastructure and an asset and move towards becoming a security or it can start by being a security because you're fundraising for a project and over time then become an asset because then you're really exchanging value for participation in your network. Um, so not, not a simple answer. I would say the, the, best, uh, the best advice is obviously to understand in depth the type of token and the type of project that are being realized and to make sure that there is a deep understanding to understand is it an infrastructure project is it something like you know um, is it something like ethereum or is it something like definity which on which then things can be built or is it actually something that is aimed for actually sending and receiving values such as a stable coin or is it actually something for participating in a network so i think looking at that and trying to understand where things fit is probably the best advice yeah i, I think that's a very good takeaway there actually because you cannot define a token to fall in this particular category uh, you know a, a token can convert from one category to uh, you know, eventually say for example it goes from security to an asset and from an asset to a security in its life cycle. Uh, I think that, that's an important takeaway for me. So I was just going to just pick up on a couple of things you talked about. So you talked about the types of tokens but I just wondered in terms of um, the way that these tokens work in terms of the, the, the incentive structure within these things. So say obviously that if it's going to be um, a payment token that's a slightly different thing but we hear a lot about things like Steemit and, and, and the way that they're using uh, incentive structures within their, within their technology. I just wondered if you had had thought about any good examples where um, tokens are used and, and, and interesting ways and you can get that kind of real participation of, of people? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very good question. I think there's a lot of things there that are still trying to be figured out, right? So 
um, the, the key balance for projects is to balance out who at the end of the day owns majority of the tokens but also majority of the decision making where, where does the governance sit and how are these projects being developed and do you incentivize actually the developers or do you incentivize participation in the ecosystem for creating additional value um, so I think those are th still things that are being looked at and developed I don't have like you know top of mind examples that are that are coming up but I think back again to on, on the first thing that we discussed just on the previous question is like looking in depth at that and actually trying to understand what is the incentivized structure for people to develop that ecosystem um, is super important. Yeah, so um, from, from our research, um, it, it sounded a little, well, although from your interview, you, you sounded like you're investing in different things, but I keep hearing stable coins a lot from Circle. Uh, is there a bias towards a stable coin for Circle or you're looking stable coin also as a part of this big ecosystem? No, we're definitely looking at it as a part of the bigger ecosystem. And, and look, something that we say very often is that to us, stablecoin are almost part of the infrastructure. And in an ideal world, would we have to build the infrastructure? Probably not, right? In an ideal world, the infrastructure would be there and therefore we could build things on the infrastructure. Um, the same way, for, for example, probably if you think of Amazon wouldn't have been born if the internet wasn't there, but Amazon was born because the internet existed and, and in crypto world that doesn't exist yet. So it's more that we've had, we felt very, very strongly that we've had to do that to help the entire ecosystem move forward. But yes, and, and uh, absolutely for Circle, we are more trying to work on different things and Stablecoin is one of the angle, but it's not okay. everything. And, and what do you see as interesting projects on the, uh, on the horizon in terms of things that Circle are going to look towards in the future? I mean, obviously you've got your products out there at the moment. Where do you see Circle um, moving towards in terms of the direction? Yeah, I think to us, and, and that's actually probably a very good way to, to close the loop or go full circle, um, it's more that to us, because we believe that the world is going to be tokenized and it's tokenization of everything, uh, the different products that we want to build actually address that, right? So you, you need to think, okay, how can you create tokens? How can you exchange seamlessly these tokens? How can you actually understand more about these tokens wherever you are? And actually what, do, what does token mean for um, people who are in different geographies. So I think it's really, Circle's development is really along those lines and it's really along that very strong vision of believing that everything is going to be tokenized and therefore what does this mean for this new shape of money to happen and how can we actually structure that? Uh, for the products you mentioned earlier, do you have any timelines for those products or what are the products that are rightly available for users to, you know, for, you know, for users to use or if you're still in the process of building it or what are the timelines you're looking into the future? Yeah, absolutely. So CirclePay is already available today in 29 countries, so that's the US and the whole of the EEA. Um, for Circle Invest, it's at the moment only available uh, in the US and we're, we're working very hard to bring that to Europe in the next coming month. Poloniex is a product that is live and is already available in hundreds of countries. Um, it's a product that we are currently working on to bring on more tokens, to actually bring on a better uh, user interface, better customer support, but it's, it's completely a live project. Circle Trade, similar. Um, it's a trading desk that is available 24-7 between Asia-Pacific, Europe and the US. Um, and the Stablecoin is a project that will be coming live uh, in the next coming weeks. So can I ask about something that maybe you aren't able to comment on, I don't know, but I just wondered, we were talking to a, an Ethereum developer um, recently, and he was telling us about obviously the standards that they're trying to build on tokens in Ethereum. I just wondered, what, does Circle um, 
suggests moving towards those type of standards like ERC20 for tokens and all that kind of stuff? Or what's your, what's your kind of view on, on, on standards like that? Yeah, and I think, you know, it might be too early to say, like, what will work in the future, but definitely for a whole ecosystem to be built, we will need standardization, right? Now, I think it might be a bit too early to say, like, the world is definitely ERC20, and that's the only thing that we have, because there are things that work really well in Ethereum, and that things that still need to be worked on. So is it too early to say that this is the standard? Uh, it might be. And, you know, there are other interesting projects, um, you know, Definity is also coming up, for example. Um, so it, it's more finding out, maybe that's not the standard, maybe the standard is actually going to be in interchain interoperability right um so we definitely also believe that it's needed because once you have that then the ecosystem is stabilized the thing is like when is it going to be too early to actually do that because if we crystallize things too quickly uh then you know it's the drawbacks that we probably have today with the internet once you're done with http and smtp you're done that's it that's that's what you have and what you can build on no that makes a lot of sense yeah i mean obviously you're set you're saying i mean we're struggling now you look at ipv4 we're struggling now with issues around ipv4 on basic structures and, and um, infrastructure on the internet. So I guess, as you're saying, you don't want to end up going down the road of, of building on something that might not be the right solution, especially since yeah. you don't know whether a proof of work or, or proof of stake or any of these ways of um, proving things are the correct way of, of doing it, I guess. Completely, completely. Cool. Okay, so um, can you summarize a key takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, I think the, the main key takeaway is really this um, this idea that the world as we know it will be tokenized. And so what does it mean in our daily lives, in our daily jobs, in the way we exchange and, uh, and interchange value? I think that's the real thing. That's the real revolution that's happening. Um, the key thing is, you know, how long will it take for that vision to really happen um, is yet to be defined. But in crypto world, things go really, really fast. <laughs> I'm sure there's so many startups, so many things happening in the crypto world. Yeah, absolutely. It's really like, I, I didn't live it, but I, I love quoting it. It's really like the beginning of the internet. It's, you know, there's a lot of gazillion of ideas that are out there and a lot of um, super talented people that are putting their brains to try to figure out how to solve some of the biggest world problem. And probably 90% of those projects won't really work, but 10% will work and 10% of those will become the next Google, the next Facebook, the next Amazon. Um, so something very good is happening there, which is touching a lot of, you know, it's touching a lot of regulation, it's touching a lot how we think about society, it's touching a lot how we interchange value. Um, so it's pretty big challenges. And yes, um, there's lots of people trying to think how to solve these things. Yeah. Are there any resources uh, in particular that you would suggest for our, uh, for our users uh, in terms of token economics to understand a bit more where this token economics has come from? you know, to study a bit more in the history, to study, you know, to learn a bit more into the future. Is there any particular resource you reckon or is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very biased and, and direct people to actually um, look at our blog on circle.com because one of the mission that we, that we want to push for is actually educating. And so we do share a lot on our vision for the future, what we think is happening, how we structure things. Um, there are a lot of excellent videos also online on on, uh, for example, our, our co-founder and CEO, Jeremy Allaire, talking about tokenization of everything, um, which is quite an inspiring vision um, and something also that you can find on our blog. So, yeah, sorry about that, but I'm going to say check yeah. out circle.com. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Th 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 thanks for being on the show, Maria. It's been, uh, it's been just incredible, you know, talking about tokenomics, talking about cycle products. Um, we'd love to, you to be on the show again. 
Um, I think there was a really interesting interview well, from Well, thanks a lot for having me. These were great questions. What we talked about, Marik. What was your key takeaway, do you think, Kieran? Everything can be tokenized. You can tokenize anything that has a value, mm -hmm. such as a stock, a piece of art, property, effectively any asset. And using these tokens now, you can own a share of a share of an asset and you're able to transfer to anyone in that in a particular network. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that is a that is a key takeaway. So this is this is basically going kind of full circle, uh, essentially, is what Marik was saying as well, which is that, you know, you can you can basically bring into the economy things that could never be shared out as part of the economy. And you yeah. can bring people into the economy effectively into actually buying things because I could never have thought to you know, buy like, you know, necessarily something very, very expensive. But if I can get a share of it, you know, like the same principle of, as securitization, you securitize like a an asset and then you can buy into a bit of it. Yeah. So, for example, you can own um, a piece of uh, oh, Mona Lisa. Yeah, Mona Lisa. Exactly. Something yeah. very, very famous. Or we yeah. could all club together and, and buy into something, you know, exceptional like the, the bridge, you know, could buy, you know, you could yeah. fund new pieces of infrastructure for it. Who knows? Yeah, and, and later, right, if the value goes up, you're able to yeah, sell it. Or yeah. when there is a need, you can sell it. So effectively, that, that, I think that that's what um, she was saying, everything I th being tokenized. I think one of the things that was really interesting from my point of view was that she really raised the nascent nature of this technology. That we're, when we, we're, we're talking about having to build the infrastructure as well as the products. Um, so this is quite an unusual situation, I would have thought, in terms of if you look at like Amazon or like, Google, it, it yeah. does build infrastructure in some cases, but it doesn't really have to build the whole infrastructure, the protocols, yes. everything else is already built for them. Um, yeah. I also thought the other thing was just was really clear that they didn't really foresee, they couldn't really say which of the public blockchains was going to be the best use case for this tokenized world. And they also couldn't say if the standards like ERC-20 would be the correct path to go down. It still looks like it's so early days. Not even yeah. they, those people who are very close to it can see which yeah, is the yeah. correct pathway. Um, unlike the early days of internet, the community at the moment is massive. There is, there is so much invested into this and there are so many people trying to solve the problems in so many different angles as mm -hmm. well. So in the, in the internet ages, uh, there's probably like a like an internet community or a W3C community. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, for blockchain, these communities are spread across the world and, you know, people are coming with different proofs of proof, uh, proof-based algorithms and... So how you reach that consensus? Yeah, exactly. Like Ethereum doesn't even seem to have decided which is its, you know, which is the best way to get consensus, and and everyone seems to be arguing over which way is the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. So there is a lot of infrastructure to be built, and there are a lot of products to come out, mm -hmm. and I guess we just have to wait and see. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the Block and Roll podcast. Remember to check out our previous episodes on our website, theblockandroll.com, and please remember you can follow us or contact us on Twitter at BC Podcast Two. And remember to keep, keep it, it block and roll. roll.